0: very good morning, everyone. Um, It is wonderful to see you all here today. Um, Is my mic okay? Because it keeps slipping. Yes, that's fine, okay. Wonderful to see you all here today um, as we open God's word. Um, It is just truly lovely to see so many seats that have um, been filled. Um, We'll perhaps just take our reading today from Mark. We'll be taking our reading from Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 and verse 27, reading up till verses 52. So we'll just take time to read that. Mark 14, verse 27. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you, to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently, If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. Verse 32. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for the eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough, the hour has come. Behold, the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Then they laid their hands on him and took him. One of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all forsook him and fled. Now a certain young man followed him, having linen cloth thrown around his naked body. And the young men laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth and Fred from then naked. Perhaps we'll just open with a word of prayer. Our God and Father, we thank you for the scriptures which you have so graciously provided to us. We thank you that we can read them freely and in our own language. Um, We do just thank you for your word which you've spoken unto us. And as we open up your word here today, we do just pray that you would strike our hearts, Lord, that you would speak unto us that which you desire us to hear. May we all be be taken with a desire and a burden to learn more about you and an attention and our ears opened to the word which you have spoken unto us. So again, we do just pray for this and commit all of this to your hand in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was younger, I used to be really into books. I used to love reading these massive, thick novels, and it was was what took up every hour, pretty much, of my life. I would read and read and read. And that annoyed my mum a little bit because when I was meant to be studying, or when I was meant to be sleeping, or when I was meant to be doing my chores, I would instead be off reading my books. And it it got really difficult because I'd be reading my book and we'd be coming to the really exciting part, we'd be coming to the the highlight of the plot, we'd be coming to the climax of the story. And chores were boring, you know, I I wanted to read my book, I wanted to continue on, I wanted to get, you know, and figure out what was going to happen to the protagonist. And here in Mark, we're coming to a similar section. We're coming to the climax of Christ's life here on earth. We're coming to the pinnacle of the book of Mark, where Jesus, he's spent his life here on earth, he's lived his life, he's done his miracles, he's said his parables, and now comes the time where he will be captured, where he will be led away, where he will be crucified on that cross, dying a death, but conquering the grave and rising again. So we're just we're, we're building up to that climax and what we're going through today is just the, the penultimate bit to that climax where, where Jesus knows he's about to be arrested. So he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane um, for a time of prayer um, before being seized later on in the chapter. And so I just thought we could we could split the section um, into three sections um, today, n- namely three, separate parts. We'll be looking at the denial of Christ um, by Peter. We'll be looking at the distress of Christ in the garden of Gethsemane. And then finally, we'll be looking at the detainment um, of Christ in the garden by those that came to capture him. So just those three simple sections, the denial, the distress, and the detainment. And as I finish each section, I would like to just present a simple challenge to each of you. So I do just ask that just for the next 20 minutes or so that that you would listen, that you would just listen with open ears, that you you would take God's word in and that you would listen to those challenges and deeply just ponder upon them in your heart and that you would go away questioning who Christ truly is to you. So first off, we have the denial of Christ and the context of this is just after the Passover. So Christ has taken the supper, he has taken um, the cup with his disciples um, at the Feast of Passover, and now that has been finished. And Judas has gone away, they've sung a hymn, and now they've gone out to the Mount of Olives. And what Christ is saying here is, he's just summarizing in these verses, "'I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered.'" That's a quote um, from a book in the Old Testament. And essentially, he was predicting his foreboding death and what was about to happen. He was telling what was to come, a final indication of his life here on earth. And this was spoken to the disciples. And these were were men that had followed Christ throughout his life. These were men that had heard the parables, men that had seen the miracles um, that he had done. And you would think that they would... They would have great understanding of what um, Christ was talking about, of, of what Christ's purpose was here on earth. This, this, this was Christ telling them, that this final statement that he was to be crucified. He wasn't going to be this great conqueror that was going to come in and alleviate the Jews from the rule of the Roman Empire upon which they live. There would be no great battle. There would be no swords clashing and great bloodshed. He was trying to tell them that he was going to be that sacrifice. He was their shepherd that was going to be struck. And in the hours to come, the sheep would be scattered. The disciples would flee. But he also shared a bit of that hope with them. And he says in verse 28, But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. He was saying, look, bad things are going to happen. Yes, I'm going to be captured. Yes, the sheep are going to be scattered. But there is a hope. There is something to look forward to if you will just recognize what I'm saying to you. After I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. There was a hope there. And again, these, like I said, these were disciples that had seen Jesus throughout his ministry. You would think that these would be the ones to, to stick by Christ, You know, they they had walked with him, they had followed him, they had heard his teachings. You would think, oh, if anyone was to stick by Christ in his time of deepest distress, these disciples would be the one. And yet Christ knew better. Peter had said to him, perhaps as you would expect, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you quite heroic, don't you think? You know, this this man that's followed Christ, he says, I will will go with you to the death. But that's not what Jesus Christ said to them. You know, he said, the the shepherd will be stricken, the sheep will be scattered. Peter was challenging the Lord, supposedly knowing better. He was saying to the Lord Jesus Christ, no, 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 you're wrong. You know, what you said, that's incorrect. You don't know me. I'm loyal. I am going to go with you to the ends of the earth. I will die with you. And I think you, you can see in those verses that it was all about him. Peter was putting the emphasis on himself. He was saying, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. There was pride there. There was an an ignorance of what had and was to happen. He was blinded by his own personal fantasies that he would be this loyal, amazing person. He would be the greatest amongst all the disciples. He He would die for his savior. He was blinded. It was all about himself rather than about what Christ had said. And this is my first challenge to you. That as we go on in the message today, I would just like you to think and ponder are you denying the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you been coming here perhaps to church for years on end, perhaps growing up in a Christian family, and you've heard the gospel, you've, you've heard the word, you've heard the word of God preached to you so many times, and yet you refuse to listen? It's all about yourself. It's all but what you think rather than the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you like Peter, denying what the Lord Jesus Christ said and focusing inward on yourself? And again, Christ knew what was to happen. And that's as is typical as you saw through his ministry, he went to pray. We see in verse 32 onwards, he went to the place which was named Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And Gethsemane was a place that Christ would often have visited as you read through the gospels. You can see he had been there a couple of times and he'd come there for prayer. And what strikes you is just the, the intense emotions that Christ was going through while in that garden. He knew what was to happen as we've set out earlier. He knew that he was about to be taken. He knew that he was about to be struck. He knew that he was about to be hung on that cross, taking the sins of the world upon his shoulders. And yet he didn't approach it in an unbothered or unemotional attitude. He was emotional. You see different different adjectives that are used in this passage to describe his state. You see that he was he was troubled. He was deeply distressed. He was exceedingly sorrowful. Verse thirty five. He fell on the ground and prayed. There was an emotion going on there. He knew what was to occur. And these, these, these intense emotions, it, it was due to what was about to happen because, again, he was the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew why he was on earth. He knew what he was about to go through. And it was that emotion because it, it was something bigger than just physical death. Yes, he knew that he was going to suffer. Yes, he knew that he was going to go and die on the cross. And obviously that, that would be agonizing, that would be scary, knowing that you were about to face such persecution, that you were about to face such trial, such torture. But I, I would say that this emotion was because of something far, far greater than that. That emotion was because the Lord Jesus Christ was preparing to take on the sins of the world. He was preparing to die on that cross in place for us, in place of you. He was preparing to take the sins which we have committed, the sins which we have committed against God, and he was preparing to pay that price which we ourselves deserve to pay and yet even in the face of such even in the face of such such a big thing to come he had full obedience and submission to his father's will in the face of dire distress what a wonderment that is of his love that knowing he was about to bear that deep deep agony of being made sin for us even though he knew that he was about to undergo such, such great torture on that cross, such mocking, such scourging from man. He still did it for you. He still did it for each and every one of us. What a wonderment of his love for us that is. A price had to be paid, and he was going to carry that on his shoulders. A price had to be paid for every individual in the world. And can you imagine what a great thing that is, that the billions of humans who had sinned, who had said in their heart that there is no God, he was about to take the punishment for them. And you can imagine the emotion that that would have triggered, that distress, that troubling. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. And yet, while Christ was experiencing these emotions, you know, while Christ was in his darkest hour before he was about to be crucified, before the darkest hours were to come, his disciples, those those earthly beings that were closest to him on earth, were asleep. Three times he returned to find them heavy-eyed. You see in verse 37, it says, Then he came, after praying, and found them sleeping. In verse 40, And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. In verse 41, Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Are you still sleeping and resting? I have the privilege of working with some great colleagues um, at a place called Childline where we take um, calls from children around the UK that often don't have anyone to talk to and are perhaps feeling quite distressed. And there's a couple of my colleagues that um, do the night shift. So this is where they're on from 11 at night all the way on till 7 in the morning. I've had the privilege of doing one or two shifts um, with them. And it's 3 a.m. in the morning. We're all, there's just a couple of us there in base. And you can see everyone's quite tired because you know, it's night, you know, it's quite quiet. We're all just sitting there. Everyone's very sleepy eyed. You can see their eyes drooping. But then when a call comes in from a kid, you instantly see them liven up. You see them wake up because they, they recognize the urgency of the situation. They recognize that there is someone there who wants to talk to them, someone there who needs them. So they put aside their, their tiredness, their feelings of, oh, you know, I want to fall asleep, and they're fully alert. You can, you can hear their voice change from sleepiness to, I'm here for you, I'm paying attention, I want to be there. And I th- I think here with the disciples, they didn't recognize the urgency of the situation. You know, again, you'd think, again, like my colleagues, or perhaps you with a friend, that if someone was in distress, you would want to be there for them. You would want to be there for them, listening to them, being with them in that time of distress. You would recognize the urgency of the situation, and you would say, I am here for you. And so that's why I don't think that the disciples recognized the urgency, or even recognized what it was that Christ was going through, At all. They had succumbed to their physical weaknesses. They had fallen asleep. Even when Christ said, Sit here while I pray. Even when Christ said, Are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? They still fell asleep. There was no recognition of the urgency of the situation, of the gravity of what was to come. While the climax of Christ's life was imminent, they were asleep. While he was facing dark distress, his own disciples were unbothered. He was alone and forsaken bar his heavenly Father. And a similar Passage, just a similar time frame in John 16, verse 32 says, this is the words of Christ. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone for the father is with me. These men, these disciples, they did succumb to their physical weaknesses, but Christ, he was not alone. He was not alone in the garden. He had his father He had our creator, his God, our God, with him. His disciples may have forsaken him, but he was not alone, even in his time of darkest distress. The disciples had slept, but God was still there. And the disciples had every chance to see what was coming. You know... So many times as we've gone through the book of Mark, as you read through the Gospels, you see that the disciples, they had a chance to see what was coming. Christ explained the parables to them. He explained what was going to happen, and yet yet they they did not recognize that to them. He had taught them about the coming kingdom. And yet they fell asleep. And likewise... Just as how Christ spoke so much to the disciples and they fell asleep. Salvation has been revealed to you through God's word. We've opened up scripture so many times and whether this is your first time here again or whether you've been here many times, you've had the opportunity to hear from God's word. You've had the opportunity to hear of what Christ has done for you, how he died on that cross, how each of us who were sinners, we had a savior who was willing to die for us. And it's a free gift by faith if only you will accept. And so my question is to you, do you believe? Will you believe? Or will you be asleep? Will you be asleep? You've heard the word from scripture. You've heard how we have this savior who is willing to die for you, who is willing to pay that price for you. We heard a couple of weeks ago from Kevin how there is a judgment to come how if, if you do not repent of your sins, you will have to pay for your sins, because you've not allowed Christ to take them for you. There are no second chances. That decision has to be made now. A couple months ago, during the Easter holidays, I was over my family visiting in Northern Ireland, and it was, it was a lovely holiday. Uh, it was really good just being back with them and being on the farm and just relaxing and bottle feeding little baby lambs. It was, it was great. I had completely zoned out. I had relaxed. And the time came for me to return um, back to Aberdeen. So I got dropped off at the airport. I was like, okay, here's my ticket. This is my time. We'll go to the airport, um, Belfast International. And I was just walking into the airport and um, I was thinking, oh, I've got plenty of time. I can, I can dilly, I can dander, um, I can walk around. And I went up to the barriers, and I had my ticket out. And I scanned my ticket. You know, I was like, OK, I'll, I'll scan my ticket. And the thing didn't open. It didn't let me through. And I was like, what's going on here? So I scan it again, and I'm like, what's happening? And then this, this thing comes up on the screen, which says, in quite clear, bold, red letters, wrong airport. <laughs> Obviously, that's happened enough times they've programmed it to say wrong airport. Um, and I checked my ticket, and I was like, ah, I'm meant to be at Belfast City, not Belfast International. Thankfully, I still had an hour left, so a frantic call to my cousin got me over um, to the right airport just in time after a very mild or large heart attack. Um, but in hindsight, that, that, that's a funny story. It, it worked out... In the end, you know, I had, I had a second chance even though I showed up at the wrong place. But eternity is no funny story. If life passes you by and if you wake up at, at that white throne of judgment and you are at the wrong place, there will be no second chances. You will not be able to say, oh, I didn't, I didn't check my ticket well enough or, oh, I think I'm at the wrong place or, oh, I'm just going to head over to the other side now. There will be no second chances after death. That decision needs to be made now. You need to make sure that you are at peace with God and that you know with certainty where you are going. But the joy is you can know with certainty. You can know with certainty that you can have Christ as your savior for he has died for you. And if you believe in him, that's all it takes. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe with all your heart and mind that he is Lord and you will be saved. And again, just, just, just coming back to Gethsemane, we've, we've seen this whole story. We've seen how the, how the disciples, they said, oh, we, we won't deny you. We've seen how in their physical weaknesses, they've, they've slumbered, they've, they've slept. And now we come to that, that moment of truth. Where Christ is about to be captured and we'll see really if their word holds true. If if we hold a candle to it, will will they stick to their word? Will they not deny Christ? Because when, when Christ comes back and sees them sleeping for the third time, he says, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came. As Judas came with these people to take Christ, it was aggressive, it was intentional, and it was under cover of darkness. They came aggressively with with swords and sticks. They came with a great multitude, they came with a mob. This was an aggressive capture. They were equipped, prepared, and probably expecting to deal with resistance. You can just imagine the picture, because it says in one of the gospels as well that they came with lamps. You can just imagine the picture. It's, It's dark at night, you're in a forest, and suddenly this great clou- crowd of men, probably with extreme yelling and, and stomping of feet as they, as they troop through the forest with, with swords and clubs and, and lights, you could imagine it would, it would be a scary scene. It would be a frightening picture to behold. Definitely not for the faint of heart. So that, that to start with would already have woken up the disciples from any slumber that they were in and then as they come this was this was intentional as well it says in verse 44 now his betrayer had given them a signal saying whomever i kiss he is the one seize him and lead him away safely judas didn't just happen to be there observing It didn't just happen to me with the crowd coming along, sitting on on the side, being a bystander. There was a clear betrayal. A kiss, it's, it's, it's a very personal thing. It was an intentional, physical, emotional action. Judas made an intentional, deliberate choice to reveal, identify, and betray Christ. So this, this this takeover, it was aggressive, it was intentional, and it was undercover. In verse 48 it says, Jesus, Jesus says to them, have you come out as a robber? Have you come out as against a robber? With swords and clubs to take me. I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. They didn't, take him when he was in the temples when there was lots of people watching this was this was an underhand operation this was by the cover of darkness this was in the middle of nowhere where no one else would be watching this was a place where they could take him and take him do it with great might And as I was was pondering upon these verses, I just think again of of how frightening, of how scary a situation this, this, this would have been for Christ, for the disciples. An aggressive crowd coming with intent in the cover of darkness. That would have been such a scary thing. And yet even then, Christ continued on, verse 49, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Christ was there with a purpose and regardless of of what he was enduring, regardless of what he was going through, he still went through with it out of obedience and submission to the Father's will and out of the great love which he had for us. Such grace, such mercy has been shown. And I thought it was interesting just to just to take, take out the three different types of people present that we see at this betrayal. You, you see three distinct, distinct characters. You see Judas, a singular betrayer who had sold Christ Christ. A singular man who had who had decided in his heart, I am going to sell him for pieces of silver. Then you had a mob, you had a crowd, you had a multitude who hadn't recognized him for for who he was, who hadn't recognized him as he spoke in the temples as God's son bestowed upon us to save mankind from their sin. Instead, they'd mistaken him as a threat. They treated him like a common robber, a man who deserved to die for what he had done. Rather than man who had, rather than God who had come in the form of man to die for what we had done, and then you also have the disciples, who quite clearly here again as you hold up that candle forgot all their previous clamourings of loyalty and fled. Peter, in his bravado, he 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 drew a sword and he struck and then fled. Again, none of that was in God's God's plan. God's plan was not to come with troops and swords against the Romans. And oh, if only they had prayed, and you think, as Christ said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. If only they had prayed. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. And yet out of all of these three, none of them, none of them stood with the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ, in in this time of dire distress, he was forsaken. No one was there to be on his side. One of his disciples was there to betray him. The crowd was there to capture him. His disciples weren't there at all. None of them stood with the Lord. And we'll perhaps cover this in future weeks to come. It's not really my passage to speak on, but, but you see later on, as, as Christ was on that cross, as he overlooked those who had crucified him, he said in Luke, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it's, it's, it's with such joy that you realize just that the Lord Jesus Christ was really like no other. He really was like no broken man. For even, in, even when he was betrayed, even when he was crucified, he, he, held, he held no remorse for his actions. He, had, he held no bitterness in his heart. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. The Lord, he had a meek attitude. You see that as as he was taken, he did not respond aggressively. He didn't call down legions of angels from heaven, as he very well could have as the Son of God. As we've seen throughout this whole passage, he, he went along with Christ's plan in full submission. You don't have to turn to it, but I'd just like to take a reading from Isaiah 53. Um, we don't have much time, so I'll perhaps just read a couple of the verses. Um, it, it's Isaiah 53 and verse six, and we read it this morning at the breaking of bread. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. We had a meek and humble savior, and I can't emphasize this enough, who was willing to obey The will of his father. And the will of his father was that he would die on that cross so that you might be saved from your sins. If only you repent and if only you believe. And this forgiveness is open to all. And so my final challenge to you today, firstly was, are you denying the Lord Jesus Christ and his words that are spoken unto you? And if you're not intentionally denying it, are you asleep? Are you ignoring what Christ has said unto you? But finally, you need to make a proactive decision. How are you going to come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you going to come, are you going to appear as Judas who has betrayed him and and sold your soul for something else? Are you going to come as the mob who hadn't recognized him for who he truly was and merely saw him as a common person? Are you going to come as the disciples who fled at the first sign of weakness? Or are you going to come with humbleness and humility of heart, recognizing the sin that is so deeply in you, but also recognizing the gift that God has offered unto you again, If only you will repent and believe in your heart that the Lord Jesus Christ is Saviour and has died for you, you will be saved. That's all it takes. This forgiveness is open to all. If only you will believe. I had a bit more um, an encouragement to those that are already in Christ. Um, Perhaps I'll just really briefly go over it. It's if you are perhaps already in Christ, if you're perhaps already saved and, and, and you take heart in knowing that you are one of Christ's, and you can look forward to an eternity where you've been made righteous, where you've been made holy through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps just let the, the actions of the disciples be an encouragement to you today. These disciples, they, they were the dearest to the Lord Jesus Christ there on earth as, as they walked with him, as they observed um, his, his parables and, and his stories. And yet, yet they... Forsook him. Yes, they slept. Yes, they fled. Yes, they denied him. But that didn't make them any less in in God's sight. They went on after that. Peter went on, the other disciples went on to do great things for Christ. And likewise yourself. If 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 you are struggling with with sin, or if you are perhaps struggling in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, or perhaps you've fallen or, or done something that you're ashamed of. Again, forgiveness is free and open to all. If you just come back to the Lord, if, if, you, if, you, if you seek that forgiveness, God still can do great things with you. Each of us, we're fallen beings. None of us are perfect. But through continual sanctification in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, as he, as he moulds us to be more like that perfectness, that holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ, he can use you. He used the disciples who, who fled and he can use you. We'll just close the Word of Prayer. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we do just thank you again for your scriptures, which you've revealed to us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, him who was so meek, him who was so humble, him who was obedient even unto death, as he, as he approached that cross with, with, with great emotion, as he knew what was going to happen to him, yet he still chose to obey your will. We thank you for your grace and mercy in that you sent your one and only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for us on that cross him who was that ultimate sin offering for us, him who took our sins, him who took our burdens upon his shoulders and paid that price at Calvary. We thank you that if we choose to believe on him, if we have faith in him, we can, we can look forward to an eternity spent with you in heaven. We can look forward to a time of, of continual cleansing as we become holy and more like the Lord Jesus Christ, forgiven of our sins and the burdens which we carry around. We thank you that we have been forgiven um, of our sins. If only we repent. What a wonderful thing that is. And we do just thank you for the grace and mercy, and most of all for your Lord, for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, him who was our intercessor and our mediator between yourself and us, who are so unworthy for even glancing in your direction. So again, we do just pray if there are any here that are, are thinking upon these things, if there are any here to, today that are, are wondering about their position before you, that are wondering about their sin, that are wondering about the gift which you have so great, which you have so graciously offered unto us, May they, may they go away thinking about those things and come to a realisation of your salvation, of your gift, which is not by men's works, lest any man should boast, but is freely offered to all. So again, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your gift. Praying all this in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.